Support for this episode comes from Swipe Guide. Wouldn't it be great if everyone on your production line knew exactly what to do and when they needed to do it? And wouldn't it be better yet if your workforce could actively help you improve this knowledge? As Europe's number one workforce excellence platform, Swipe Guide helps you digitize and crowdsource crucial operational knowledge and turn it into intuitive digital work instructions and standard operating procedures. Your operators will be safer, more efficient, and complete their work with fewer mistakes. Swipe Guide currently helps companies like Heineken, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Chivas Brothers, Barilla, and many more improve manufacturing processes to reduce errors and downtime. Sound interesting? Go to www.swipeguide.com forward slash demo to learn more. From Augusta, Maine to San Diego, California, if you go into any Denny's 24-hour coffee shop in the States and order a Grand Slam breakfast, it will taste the same. It might not be the finest breakfast you ever had, but you can be guaranteed there will be zero variation in the pancakes, hash browns, sausage or bacon. It's reliable and consistent. Starbucks in Seattle will taste the same as Starbucks in Tokyo, which will taste the same as Starbucks in London. It's the same with McDonald's, KFC, and any major chain. For that matter, with any beer produced by Big Beer. How do they get so big? Consistency in product. It's never a crapshoot when you open a Carlsberg, and if there is, the first people that want to hear about it is Carlsberg. From clothing sizes to airline destinations, as much as we pretend not to, with all of us thinking we're mavericks, the truth is, we like consistency. If your ticket says Rome, and you arrive in Moscow, you're not going to be happy. Consistency, quality, and reliability are the key words in the success of any business, including craft beer. While this trio can be hard to hit, there are steps you could take, no matter what your brewery size, to achieve this and to keep your customers returning to your beer. Hi, I'm Tim Sheehan, editor of The Brewer's Journal. And I'm Vela Mitrovich. Joining us today for this Don't Miss episode is Rob Smith of Brewing Services. Started by his father David in 1988, the father and son team have worked with over 200 breweries, both in the UK and abroad. When you talk to some brewers, and even distillers for that matter, they seem to believe that a bit of variance is a good thing. You're left wondering, however, is this because they cannot hit consistency? Some will ask, can you have a quality beer without consistency? So this is quite a difficult one to answer without sounding a little bit reductive because we've all had one-off beers, special brews, unique for a particular reason that have been amazing. And you know that you're never going to have that beer again. That is quality without any necessity for consistency. On the other hand, you'll have all, everybody's had beers that are perfectly consistent, but for them are subjectively not very good and sometimes objectively not very good. Now, we often say that brewing is both an art and a science. Most brewers will skew one way or the other slightly. Undoubtedly, there's a certain amount of art, often a great deal of passion that goes into creating a beer. But equally, certainly, the brewing process is, it, there is 
a robust scientific background and basis on on um, underpinning all of all of brewing. A lot of the aspects of it have been known about for generations, if not centuries. And some such as biotransformation in hops and that kind of thing, and newly involving fields of study. The best brewers that I know have a foot in both camps. They they know the rules rules in inverted commas of brewing but knowing those allows you to bend or break them and bring in the art a little bit more but importantly knowing the rules also means that you've got a fair idea of when you do a brew if it doesn't come out quite right what aspect of my particular brewing method or what aspect of the recipe led to a particular inconsistency and they also know therefore what they need to do to maintain that consistency. So the best brewers strive for both quality and consistency, even if they know that the beer is going to be a one-off. Their process is, is, is always the same. They know the quirks of their particular brew plant and they know when they can push it. You can't, you can't have, you can have an accidental quality product, even if you're not aiming for consistency. But the best beers and the best brewers know that quality and consistency are interlinked. Springbank Distillery in Scotland has been following the same recipe for nearly 200 years. There are things about the procedure that the current distillers don't fully understand, but there is no way they'll tweak it. They want to deliver a consistent product. That said, due to variations in barley from one year to the next, weather, temperature, humidity, etc., there will always be the slightest variations that fans can pick up on. So, slight variations are to be expected. We're working with natural products. So, even if your even if your brewing process is exactly the same from day to day to day, simply by dint of the fact that your barley harvest has come from one season or another or your hops are from 2018 and then 2020 there are going to be variations that no brewer no matter how good no brewer no matter how advanced their equipment is can allow for aroma hops for example you can you can do things to change the bitterness of the beer or to allow for changes in alpha acid in the beer in order to hit a bitterness target but without an awful lot of incredibly technical blending or incredibly sensitive palates different hops will give different sorry the the same hop variety taken from different seasons will have variations in its aroma characteristics now that's not to say and feeding back into the previous question that's not to say that you shouldn't strive to allow for those or strive for consistency but it's knowing it's knowing when that consistency and that quality can be improved or or can be maintained and it's knowing how far you can you can push it almost customers are on the whole 
forgiving of slight variations, especially customers and drinkers who know the brewing industry and know what is involved in brewing or know the distilling industry and know the variations. They know they know what goes into making a good whiskey or a good beer. What customers generally aren't fond of is getting a completely different beer a completely different drinking experience, a completely different flavor profile in their gin from one batch of ostensibly the same product to the next. Craft giant Anchor Brewing in San Francisco says the key to consistency is starting with top quality malt and hops that are carefully measured and inspected. This is to monitor and chart each stage of the brew and have lab techs take over at the fermenter and follow the brew from there to the cellar. But can small brewers do the same? They can try to, and it is important that they do. Raw material, the brewing process starts from raw material intake. You should know from day to day what raw materials are going into your beer or your gin or your whiskey, whatever it happens to be. You should know your raw materials. You should know what variation is likely. You should also know what the not just your target specifications for that for that particular raw material but you should know the uh, analysis on that particular raw material all the malt suppliers either supply you directly with the the analysis of that particular batch whether it's pearl whether it's maris otter whether it's best ale low color chocolate whatever it happens to be you will get an analysis telling you more information than actually most small brewers need. But importantly, they tell you the information that you do need. So, you know, you know the extract on your malt, you know its colour, you know its nitrogen content, and you can make allowances for that. You can, if you think that your nitrogen levels are higher in this brew than they were, in, in this malt than they were in the previous one, you might have to add some extra copper findings in if you're looking for a clear product, if you're looking to remove that protein. If your roast barley is coming in at a much higher colour than it was on the previous one, then in order to get the same flavour profile and ignoring colour to a certain extent, anything that that changes the colour will also change the flavour of a particular malt. So in order to get the same touch of colour and touch of roast quality to your bitter rather than it turning into a stout, you might have to reduce the amount of roast barley you put in, for example. That all starts with knowing your raw materials when they come in. In terms of the actual brewing process, monitoring is important. Monitoring is key. There's very simple things that all brewers can do in order to monitor what is going on in their brew plant, using a thermometer to check your hot liquor temperature and your mash temperatures. You can go to the extent of of using flow meters, but definitely recording times and temperatures is something that everybody can do. It doesn't need any specific skills or any particular uh, particularly expensive bits of equipment but that monitoring all the way through the process is is vital in order to get that consistency a consistency in beer means a consistency in brewing if you want your golden lager to taste like golden lager each and every time a can is open think about the basics most small brewers probably don't have a fully equipped lab or very few small brewers will do 
but that doesn't mean that they can't do the basics. And actually, it's the basics that make the most difference. You can check your mash, you can check beer pHs or work pHs all the way through the process. But that's almost pointless if you've not got your mash temperature correct. And therefore, your OGPG spectrums are going to be skewed from one brew to the next. If your runoff times are varying from, you know, an hour to two hours from mash tun to copper, for example, that is going to have an effect on the final product. The same thing when you're transferring from copper to Whirlpool or Whirlpool to FE or, or whatever stage of the process it is. These basic things have an effect. Now, monitoring them is one thing, controlling them is, is, is something else. But it starts with noting down what is going on. So many breweries that we go into, they if they have brew sheets at all, the brew sheets are written on a particular day and just filed away and never looked at ever again. If there is a particular problem, you might look back at the previous brew sheets. Or even worse, every brew is based off the previous brew sheet. So any any variances that come in are magnified because they're they're simply changing everything or almost everything from one brew to the next. Having set parameters for your beer, having master recipe sheets that are the basis of any particular beer or, or any particular brew is a great starting point and it's not difficult to do. You simply, even if you've never done it before, you simply say, right, we know that this particular recipe, this, this particular brew of this particular beer gave a, a product that everybody was incredibly happy about. This from day one or from now day zero, this is our master recipe sheet for that particular beer. And any tweaks are noted on the brew sheets as being different and importantly any tweaks have a comment saying why they have been made so that you can look back two or three years down the line and know exactly why a particular beer was different and why it varied and that kind of monitoring should go all the way through the process most of us hate them but few tools are cheaper and actually easier to use than a spreadsheet in tracking your production an Excel spreadsheet, we all hate Excel spreadsheets, or almost everybody hates Excel spreadsheets, but they are a brilliant tool for recording information. You know, a, a few lines of data entry on a Friday after you've done your, your however many brews of the week. Over the course of sometimes months, depending on how many brews you're doing, sometimes years, yes, but over the course of a period of time, you will have built up a huge amount of data and you will be able to see where any variance is cropping in is 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 sort of is appearing whether that's variance from brewer to brewer you know different brewers even even in brews with standard operating procedures different brewers do things in slightly different ways it's 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 human nature and it's very hard to pick up on unless actually you go back and you look at the data and we've done this with breweries we've got a basic qa sheet that i came up with on it is just an excel spreadsheet but it's got a couple of bells and whistles that i put in basically to make my job easier when i take when i give it to a brewery whenever i've used it i've gone back through maybe a year's worth of data on just one particular beer for example and i will find something that causes inconsistency and is generally very easy to eliminate 
And not only does it improve consistency, but in the majority of uh, a, a majority of cases, it will actually improve efficiency or reduce waste. By removing that inconsistency, you can actually get more beer for less money sometimes, and importantly, better beer as well. Support for this episode comes from Aber Instruments. Aber has been supplying the global brewery market with inline yeast monitors for over 30 years. Since the craft revolution, Aber's Perfect Pitch has brought the benefits of its yeast cell monitoring technology to the craft market. Many of the challenges associated with pitching the correct amount of yeast can be eradicated with the use of Aber's yeast monitoring technology. The Aber Perfect Pitch enables your brewery to improve performance and reduce the end of fermentation time by consistently achieving the correct target pitching rate. Accurately measuring live yeast cell concentration in real time helps protect brews from many potential off flavors and hung fermentations. Utilizing the perfect pitch allows for improved consistency and predictability of brew times. Achieve greater fermentation stability and consistency with Aber's perfect pitch. To learn more, visit Aber's website at aberinstruments.com or simply Google Aber Perfect Pitch. We've all seen the look of absolute disgust on people's faces when their cold beer tastes anything like beer. Some of these soft flavors include baby vomit, cardboard, sulfur, rotten vegetables, green apples, and buttered popcorn. Keeping your equipment clean is more than half the battle in keeping true flavors. Often it comes down to cleaning. And I've been into I've been into breweries where cleaning is at best a basic afterthought rather than what it should be, which is front and center. Breweries where vessels are cleaned with a pressure washer uh, and a little bit of a spray of paracetic acid. And they wonder then why they're getting beer going off or off flavors cropping up in the beer. So cleaning is uh, cleaning is vital. And again, it's something that is it should be done consistently so that you know that every time you clean a vessel, it is done in the same way and is therefore clean. Sometimes it's wild yeast, again, often down to cleaning, but often due to the brewery using 15 different sorts of yeast for 15 different varieties of beer, which not only can lead to flavor faults or, or off flavors, but again, can lead to inconsistency in products. If you get a, a, a a yeast strain that's designed to do a brute IPA, for example, into your stout, you're not going to end up with the same stout that you did when it was brewed with the standard yeast because it, that, that yeast will chew through the sugars. Now, that's you might not say that's a flavour fault, but it leads to a beer that doesn't taste the same as it did the last time around. So again, there are all sorts of different off flavours the roots that an off flavor thing can get into a beer are unlimited and varied and they can crop up at any point but importantly if you do the same thing every time if your processes are designed to ensure that any off flavors are eliminated or at worst minimized you're going to end up with a better product. You're going to end up with more sales of that product because 
your customers know that they're not going to have any problems with it, especially your trade customers. Many craft breweries check brew quality by tasting the beer along its various steps. However, with sensitivity to taste determined genetically by the taste receptors, each person has a unique sensitivity to taste. So some will ask if there's a better way. Taste is important. There's no getting away from that. And the arbiters of quality are to a certain extent your customers and your customers their only way of monitoring the quality of your beer or almost the only way is by their experience of drinking it so some of that is taste some of that is aroma some of that is it, it's it's visual appeal in the glass some of its mouthfeel although that ties into flavor to a certain extent no beer should ever leave the brewery until it has been tasted and you don't necessarily need a very sensitive palate i don't have a particular sensitive palate i know what i am more sensitive to and i know what i'm importantly i know what i'm less sensitive to but everybody's palate is different you're right however everybody's palate has its place and if you think that a beer tastes the same, then it probably does. Expanding on that slightly, the more people that taste your beer within the brewery before it goes out, and not just the brewers, but any sales staff you have or any dray drivers or whoever it happens to be, the more people that taste it, the better idea you're going to have as to whether that beer is, is true to type or not. I'm a small brewer and money is tight. What are the steps I can take without breaking the bank? Accurate saccharometers and accurate thermometers are two of the cheapest things that you can get to help your brewery, but that will have the greatest effect. And when I say accurate saccharometers, ideally ones that read down to 0.1 of a degree. You can get the ones that read down to 0.5 of a degree, but simply through brewers subjective reading of saccharometers if you read your og half a degree high and your pg half a degree low your difference between those is there for a degree and your abv's out and that's important a drinker might not notice the difference between 4.3 and 4.4 percent abv but if you do that consistently and hmrc get hold of it then they will notice and a decent saccharometers uh, a, a a saccharometer of that accuracy is 50 quid compared to 48 quid for one that's 0.2% accurate and I think 44 quid or something that's half a degree accurate. So for me, it's a no-brainer. You want to measure that as accurately as you can. For the elimination of off flavors, especially those that come with poor cleaning, then an ATP meter is one of the best investments a brewery can make. They're not massively cheap. They're about 500 quid and each swab is about two pounds. But if you're a 16 hectolitre, 20 hectolitre brewery, a 500 quid investment over the long term where two pounds tells me whether that tank that I'm about to put my 2,000 litres of beer into is clean or not, 
seems a no-brainer. Two pounds compared to the material loss of 2,000 litres of beer or potentially the reputation lost by sending that beer out. And also just getting beers analysed. You have to do it for HMRC purposes. They want to see a beer analysed for ABV um, or your core products analysed for ABV on an annual basis. And if you're getting it done for that, just get your beer analysed. Just get the the bitterness and the the colour analysed as well. I think it costs 35, 40 quid, depending on which lab you send it to. But you do that a few times on your core products over the course of the year. It's, it's, It's not a huge outlay especially spread over you know a number of products and it gives you confidence that your brewing regimes are correct it allows you if you know that your copper efficiency is 35 percent or 40 percent because you know how much hot material you've put in there and you know what the final bitterness is it allows you to create recipes far more easily and actually hit the targets that you're expecting to so a mixture of accurate instruments that don't necessarily need to break the bank something to allow you to verify that your cleaning is correct and external verification for the bits and pieces that you know you can't necessarily afford to do in-house a a uv spectrophotometer for doing color and bitterness is a couple of thousand pounds which is quite an outlay will still give you the tools that you need to reach that quality and consistency that you as a brewer should be striving for and that your customers expect. If you use Brett or some other wild yeast in your beer, many will argue if it's possible to have consistency. It's important to strive for consistency, even if you know that that consistency is not necessarily unachievable, but is difficult, even with a sour beer or a Brett beer. I want to know that the brewer has done everything in their power to give me the same level of experience when I'm drinking that particular product this time as to last time. I think it's only fair of a brewer to give their customers, give their drinkers the best experience possible. Now I know that with wild fermentations and things like that, the chances of me getting the same beer are lower than they would be if you're producing a standard beer using your house yeast, for example. You want to give your customers the best drinking experience possible from your brewery, but you also have to make a profit. We have all tasted beers that the brewery should have bit the bullet and dumped, but they didn't, hoping nobody would notice an off-brew. I've drunk beers that I know should have gone down the drain. If a beer is put down the drain, you lose some money and you lose some time, yes. But the risk of sending that beer out to your reputation, probably not to anybody's health, but definitely to your reputation as a brewer, is huge and causes far more lasting damage than the material loss and having to rebrew a product. No brewer should knowingly send out beer that they know is not of good quality. And quality is a funny word because there will be brewers who look at what the macro breweries are doing and think that it is not of a certain quality. 
the macro brewers know exactly what they're doing and will produce the same product week in, week out, day in, day out. Sometimes in breweries separated by continents, never mind, you know, um, uh, a couple of hundred miles or uh, two different batches in the same brewery on a particular day. They will produce the same product and it has a market. Whether you subjectively think it's a good beer or not has no place in whether you think whether whether that beer is objectively a quality product. Support for this episode comes from QCL, a leading supplier of innovative beer testing equipment to the brewing industry. QCL know quality is fundamental to any successful brewing business and have developed a range of simple to use products that enable you to bring quality control to your brewery. Their rapid microbiology system prevents exploding cans, sour beers, expensive recalls, and protects your brand's reputation by detecting wild yeasts, diastaticus, and spoilage bacteria in less than four hours. Their beer lab measures ABV, bitterness, diacetyl, and many other important parameters in minutes. QCL pride themselves on technical knowledge and customer service and work with you to develop your in-house quality program to improve efficiency and product consistency. To find out more about QCL and their range of rapid testing equipment, visit the website qclscientific.com or email sales at qclscientific.com. There are three players involved, the brewer, the packager, and then the stores, with each playing a part into the beer's failure. Most of the problems Rob sees lies with the brewers. He's seen breweries not taking the time to check out what is actually in the kegs. Beer labeled as lager is actually stout. Well, in a perfect world, the canner would have all the time in the world to then contact the brewery, ask them about their product, and so on. They have customers backed up. And if you decide to call strawberry stout golden lager, Hey, then who are they to question your wisdom? Don't get me started on best before dates and um, and some of the distributors, but they're expected to put a product in package with a likely unachievable best before date and an unknown quantity when it comes to residual fermentable material and yeast. And it is the contract packages who often then get it in the neck when a product doesn't reach the consumer in the the expected quality. And it stems from inconsistencies or either inconsistencies from the contract, uh, from the, uh, from the brewer or simply not knowing what is going on with their own beer. We've had it time and time again, where issues have arisen between brewers and packages because nobody actually knows whose fault it was when a beer doesn't meet its specifications or meet its its declared shelf life. Because some of these packages as well don't have necessarily the lab facilities to check a beer on intake or don't have the time to check it on intake. They ask for a beer to be sent in a certain manner. It comes into the packaging facility, it gets packaged and it gets sent out again. There needs to be quite a dramatic change in how the entire industry from brewer all the way through to final package 
communicates and really, again, just sort of treats the other members of their own supply chain. There has to be mutual trust. There has to be mutual engagement between all the disparate aspects of getting beer from raw material to the consumer at the end, especially given the huge range now of different products, different packaging formats, and different expectations from the drinking public. We've all seen exploding beer cans on the shelves. And when it comes to shelf stability, sell-by dates are, of course, a key issue. But distributors and retailers seem to expect, and or either seem to, or in some cases definitely do, expect a 9 to 12 month shelf life. Well, if you've got an unfiltered lager at 4%, the chances of it reaching 9 to 12 months in the same condition as when it went into can is virtually zero, even if everything else is very well con controlled for. And there isn't any secondary fermentation because it's got a load of extra fermentable material and a load of yeast in it. It's, it's, it's a bizarre roundabout. And I've heard, I have heard somebody actually say that they know, they know that what they're putting on a can is essentially a lie, but they have to do it in order to get into the retailer. And anyway, everybody in the industry knows that it's a lie. Well, if everybody knows it's a lie, why aren't the industry doing far more about it to actually stand up and say to the retailers, look, I'm sorry, you can, you can ask us for a 12-month shelf life, but if you want our craft beer, our unfiltered, unpasteurized craft beer, because you know that sells in your shop, you have to accept that we tell you what the shelf life is, not the other way around. It's one of my biggest, biggest bugbears because there's there's nothing that we can do about it. There's nothing that me, as a as a uh, you know a, a quality consultant or a, a brewing consultant, can do. I say to the, I say one thing to the brewers, and they go, "I know what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but we have to do this for our business purposes." If you ask Rob what he thinks the best beer is out there, don't expect to get an answer, because he won't give you one due to the high subjective nature of what best actually is. As he points out, when eating a curry, Kingfisher often tastes like the best beer because it matches the curry perfectly. Then you have a Kingfisher in a different environment with a different experience, and it just maybe just doesn't taste as good. But when you're with friends having a perfect evening and a simple lager, that beer might taste like the best beer you've ever had. However, if you put Rob in a headlock for brewing quality and consistency, he rates Scotland's fine ales pretty high. They are pretty relevant, I suppose, to what we're talking about here. They have a core range of beers, which is very good. They are brewed well and they're brewed consistently, but they also have quite a wide range of far more unique products. Farmhouse ales, spontaneous fermentation, I think, you know, barley wines. I couldn't count the number of different beers that they will bring out. And they are not going to be consistent. But that's not the aim of those particular beers. To have a full or even part-time quality assurance member of the team 
is a luxury most of us can only dream about. But no matter what size your team is, you can still have QA in your brewery. A QA brewer is a luxury. Somebody who is dedicated to looking at the QA side of the brewery is a luxury. And the issue with having somebody doing it part-time is that the brewing always takes priority. Breweries are busy places and often run with smaller teams than perhaps they should do. So, yes, we see it time and time again that there are simple things, even filling out paperwork, simply the, the basics that can be used for monitoring of quality, monitoring of consistency, troubleshooting when things go wrong, are left by the wayside because nobody has time to do it. It's it, it's a sometimes an unfortunate state of affairs. And again, it goes back to an almost, there has to be a shift in thinking. Brewers have to increasingly focus more on quality and their output of the products that they do rather than chasing whatever it is that Beer Twitter has decided is the next big thing for this particular week. Get the core products right, and that allows you the flexibility and the goodwill, and sometimes simply the money to be able to do the more out there, not necessarily more interesting products, but the, 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 the ones that allow you a little bit more of the art compared to the science that you use to brew them. People do enjoy drinking and experiencing products that are essentially failures. You know, it's, it's a new experience and we as humans crave new experiences. That's, that's part of what drives humanity, isn't it? But at the end of the day, sitting down with a pint of your favorite beer and knowing it's exactly the same as when you drank it the last time is, is also a definite draw. In talking to some brewers, there seems to be an attitude that quality and consistency of a product is something for others to worry about. However, if you want repeat customers and repeat sales, you need to give them something to return to. And that means consistency. The Brewers Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan, and my co-host, Velo Mitrovic. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. I would like to give special thanks today to Rob Smith of Brewing Services, our sponsors, and also our listeners.